Hello, and welcome to the Accountability Coach Podcast, where we discuss proven business success principles related to helping you make more money, work less, so you can enjoy even better work-life balance. This is Ann Backrack. Today, we have a special guest with us who I think you will find to be a wealth of information related to helping you be as healthy as possible so you can perform at 100% and be on the path to having your ideal business and ideal life. Hollywood has worked with world-leading experts in exercise, nutrition, and biochemistry to develop a more holistic, scientific, and sustainable approach to health and performance. Ali got his start in the trenches of the health world as a physical therapist in a big box gym. After seven years of working with primarily high-performing business owners, he saw the extent to which stress, inflammation, and lack of focus on recovery was ruining any progress they were making. Ali's goal is to help professionals on the pursuit of growth and improvement to make sure they don't leave their body and energy behind. Welcome, Ali. We so appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Anne. So good to be on. Thank you. So let's start with how can busy professionals integrate health habits into their lives? Yeah, absolutely. I've just got off a call with um, a bunch of our clients in, in that spot. And I think a big one that is the obvious that comes up is uh, time, right? How do we fit us back into our day? And I think uh, a lot of us focus on how we get the next 10 minute workout. We, we create the next thing that's shorter and faster. Not really, I could never actually give you a 25th hour in the day. It becomes a big part of uh, how do we reassess the day to focus on the quality versus quantity, right? Rather than doing all the things. I think ultimately the big question comes back is how do we make sure we fit you back into your day? Because ultimately it comes back down to a level of priority and having businesses priority is great. Having family as priority is fantastic. But at some point, there also has to be a level of priority on you. And I think a lot of us are in a, a weird space, space where we find that very challenging to uh, actually put us first or put us even on the calendar at some point. And I think that's a big first step in regards to how we, how we start. And we really can't be, and correct me if I'm wrong, 100% of what we need to be to perform at our profession if we really don't have the energy or the mental capacity that we really need. Would that be a true statement? Absolutely. I think the main issue there is, uh, you know, we, we struggle to put time aside for us because it's selfish, supposedly. But if we're not putting time aside to actually fill our cup, then we've got very little to give everyone else and we're not showing up as our best. So it is ultimately that component of putting us back into our day, because if we're constantly uh, underslept, undernourished uh, and you, we're, we're sort of foggy through the day, we're not really showing up in a capacity that's really going to serve at our best. So if we want others to get the best out of us, that certainly has to be uh, a phase one. But ultimately, I think that comes from a place of uh, mismatch between what we're ultimately wanting out of our body on a day-to-day -day basis and what we feel health is. And I think if we start to look ha as health as a self-love or self-respect journey, rather than necessarily uh, a process of shoulds and haves, uh, have-tos, uh, I think that starts to change the conversation a little bit because it's something we start to enjoy, it's something we experience, rather than something that we're constantly focusing on spending less bandwidth on and finding some way to do it easier and faster and, and less thought-provoking. Uh, because there is going to be an awareness of consciousness that needs to be taken into account, right? You can't make meditation, for example, or, or exercise a habit uh, it has to be a routine because there's conscious thought involved in that process. It's never going to be something that just unconsciously happens. There's conscious thought there. And I think sometimes that's something a lot of us skip over when we start to look at uh, health as a 
uh, a part that needs to be ticked off in order to do the other things in life. But if we take the time to realize that that is the very foundation of self-love or self-respect of our journey, we now start to get an idea of it being an integral part of everything else working well. So how do we help prevent burnout? So we're working hard, we're doing a lot of things. How do we really prevent burnout? Yeah, burnout's an interesting one because ultimately I feel that burnout is not necessarily the fact that you're working hard. It's ultimately that you've lost love and the vision of where you're going. So taking the time to look at making sure that where you're going is something you're ultimately in, you're in the pursuit of because of the love of it rather than because you feel that you need to be busy or that you uh, look at this glorified busy as being the goal. I think ultimately being involved in that hard work, taking the time to have time and effort put into something does not create burnout. It's the lack of recovery on the other side. So taking the time to build those non-negotiables, those bumpers at each point of your day, uh, really allow you to set up your day and making sure that you have that clarity, you have that sharpness to really go through whatever activities, projects that need to be done in that time period. But it first needs to come back to burnout being a lack of direction or potentially a priority being on top for too long that really shouldn't be the priority and just realigning it with values. Because I would assume a lot of people listening to this and, and myself included, doing a 10 hour day every day of the week is not an issue if we're really lit up by what we do and ultimately moving towards a vision that's bigger than us. So I think burnout becomes a lack of vision or lack of direction of where we're going and potentially just leaving us on the back burner too long. So I think it's two part at some level, but just taking the time to build that, that those non-negotiables, those foundations, those bumpers as we call them, uh, into your day to make sure that we are actually creating some sort of platform to work off is, is probably a first step. Sounds excellent. What are people doing wrong with exercise as we get older? Yeah, I think there's two parts here, but ultimately I think the big part we want to look at first is this sweet spot of movement and what that looks like as we get older, right? Our physiology when we're 20 is going to be very different to when we're 40. And taking the time to look at and adjusting that as we get older is going to be a challenge in itself, maybe to ego, maybe to just comfort levels and understanding what exercise ultimately does for us. One thing that we certainly notice over time is we don't get better at, at endurance. We simply get worse at strength. And we start to see people leaning more and more towards cardio and longer term, uh, longer activities or simply less exercise in total because the body's no longer feeling as strong and mobile as it used to. So on the one hand, we've got people that are moving into more endurance sports, doing a ton of cardio-based exercise, and they're, they're sort of burning the body out a little bit and not getting the recovery, the response like they used to. And it's ultimately a case of dialing back into what that new sweet spot is and ultimately getting an idea of where is that strength training as a component or is it even uh, part of the equation yet in order to make sure we're looking at maintaining or even building muscle long term to look at a long level of strength, stability, and ultimately just making sure we've got body we feel good in. I think on the other side, when we're looking at a lack of activity, we start with a conversation that we did today, which was, an awareness of how we fit us back in a day and what's that first step because if you were a rower or a rugby player or whatever when we were when we were 20 uh, and we were training five six seven times a week we're not going to start there we need to take the time to look at what's step one to step two so we're looking at going from zero to a couple walks uh, a couple times a week right taking the time to build that up and then we're walking through from there so what I'm hearing you hearing you say then is work more at strength a little bit more as we get older because that seems to go down or be less and we're doing more endurance as opposed to strength. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah, exactly. So we don't want to remove endurance if that's something you love, if that's something right. that 
fills your cup, if that's something that from a mindset level just puts you in a great space, then 100% keep that there. But if we can take the time to add one or two uh, strength sessions on top of that to make sure we can do that for longer, we strengthen your knees, we keep um, strong joint movement to make sure that we're not tightening up and getting more and more uh, immobile, more and more injury prone, all of those components are going to be part of that. So taking the time to just make sure we're taking into account this decrease in protein synthesis or the ability that signal to, to uh, rebuild tissue becomes harder and harder. So alongside nutrition changes like increasing protein amounts or requirements that are there, uh, looking at that base of training and what can be small tweaks, it just becomes a conversation of quality over quantity. Because working harder and harder is going to take less, is going to take more and more of a toll on the body, uh, rather than necessarily getting you the result that you're after. Excellent, excellent. Why does most health advice that we at least hear about, why do they get it so wrong? I don't think it's necessarily wrong as much as it's irrelevant. It's got to be relevant to where you are. So there's so much information out there. There is 90% of the stuff that we should probably avoid. <laughs> finding that initial 10% is a challenge in, its, in the first place. Then obviously finding out the relevance for where you are in your fitness or health journey is going to be another component there. So taking the time to look at what was good for you when you were 20 is going to be a different story now. We're working with a different biology. If we're on the female side, we're starting to see menopause knocking on the door, or we're right in the middle of it. We're going to be going through some interesting hormone changes that are going to impact the level of stress, the amount of nutrients we require, the, the, the types of training that we're going to look at. Uh, and on, on the, the male side, which really goes under the radar, is we are going through a very similar space there as well, right? So we, we've got something called andropause, which is very similar to menopause, but it's just not as instant or as drastic with ovaries shutting down, right? So we're still seeing a natural decline in hormones over time. We're seeing a natural challenge on the overall uh, well-being of that person if we're, if we're not taking into account health properly. And just making sure that we're looking at the bigger picture of how do we make sure that you feel good and you show up as a best on a day-to-day -day basis becomes less about your dumbbells and macros and focuses on the bigger picture, the bigger conversation of health. And I think that's where most people go wrong is because we're just focusing on a narrow lens through improving nutrition or improving training. But if we look at the bigger picture of how those two interlink with hormones, sleep, gut health, the bigger picture of actual health, we start to bridge the gap of what that really looks like as health in your later years. Speaking about hormones, as a woman who's older, I'm finding that a lot of my friends are getting hormone testing, female friends, and yep. they're realizing that their testosterone is like, you know, zero or, or yep. barely above the flat line. So yep. how do we know, like, what symptoms do men or women really get to help us indicate, hey, maybe we're low on testosterone and that's something we should have checked out? Yeah, totally. It's a really, really big one. And as we know, there should be a natural decline of hormones over time. But it's ultimately a case of that being a smooth landing rather than a plane crash, right? I think there's a big difference between those two. And if we're not taking into account, account this bigger health conversation, then that can certainly be uh, a key element in why those symptoms can be a lot more severe. There's certainly a genetic component, environmental component, but really it's looking back into that control of that nervous system, the control of uh, inflammatory markers in the body will have a significant impact on, on those symptoms. So when we're looking at things like high quality nutrition through proteins and fats that need to be higher as we get older, things like your resistance training are all going to be building blocks naturally of trying to make sure that we increase uh, that hormonal production in the body. But also taking into account there's a, a bigger and bigger conversation of what's happening around uh, hormone replacement therapy and just understanding even just the advances and what's happening there 
I want to make sure that I can do everything naturally before we start adding in anything additional. But even just understanding what we're taking and why we're taking it, I think from a doctor level, we start to, uh, this conversation of uh, we're taking the birth control pill to balance out hormones is just not true. And taking the time to look in deeper at the massive difference between synthetic hormones and something that's bioidentical is certainly something that needs to be part of that conversation if you are going down that route. But a basic level in looking after your health, no matter where you are in that journey, looking at that base of nutrition training and your overall control of things like your gut health, your central nervous system and overall inflammation is going to be a really, really great place to start. So on a male side, if you're noticing a, a decrease in sexual function or desire, you're seeing a decrease in muscle mass, recovery, and general well-being. I think the really big issue here is that we're seeing uh, an, a huge misdiagnosis of depression when we're actually seeing a significant decrease in testosterone. And as we start to get more and more involved with an immense amount of environmental toxins, poor quality foods, sedentary lifestyles, uh, the ranges are continuing to get wider or lower and lower, which are meaning that a lot of these are going misdiagnosed or un just, just not looked at and being put on depression medication when it's ultimately hormones play a huge role in how we function and feel alongside gut health and that ability to produce some sort of serotonin. Now, male and female will make a huge difference. And then similarly on the, on the female side, right, we're going to see um, a lot of these symptoms coming through. We're, we're, we're aware of um, the hot flushes, the night sweats, uh, vaginal dryness, a lack of sexual interest, again, recovery, muscle mass, all of these things. And even a significant shift in uh, where we hold that body fat uh, is a big part of that conversation, too. So a lot of those uh, symptoms are something that we can notice on a day to day basis. But really, it's just a signal of what's potentially happening, happening deeper down. And I think if we can start that conversation of what are the platform foundations that need to be there, things like nutrition, things like the tweaks that happen with nutrition as we get older, the tweaks or the adjustments and how we should exercise uh, becomes part of that bigger conversation. Yeah, interesting. I find that so interesting that some of these things could be so misdiagnosed because nobody's yeah. really paying attention to something as simple as your level of testosterone and puts you in a whole nother category of something else that's wrong that's really not wrong. Yeah, and it's a challenging space because we've got, you know, the, the biohackers of the world and we've got peptides becoming a thing. and We've got all of this stuff going on. But I think doctors are still really hesitant in some forms to actually prescribe some of the stuff or simply look at it. Because without the means of looking at, you know, the ability to look at a white blood count versus looking at testosterone just feels like a, a huge step in what we're asking for. Uh, certainly with the clients we've, we've worked with is just taking the time to get a basic panel so we can understand where they're at. I really would love to see a hormone panel being a normal part of people's regular blood tests as we start to age so we can really manage what's happening because it gives us a really good understanding of how some of those other markers are being impacted and just this bigger conversation of health that we can look at. And I think when we're, we're in a very reactive society of making sure that we are we are living but not necessarily functioning at our best or optim, optimizing how we function on a day-to-day -day basis, they do become two different conversations. And I think you can just look at the difference between a uh, medical normal range as opposed to a practitioner uh, cl you know, clinical range looking at more of a natural component of what that looks like. They're much, much narrower and at some point they're even half of what, what the uh, broader uh, ranges might look like. So it's just making sure that there's uh, there's a gap and why is there a gap? It just comes back down to there's a uh, an awareness of all those other components that aren't taken into account with drugs and, and basic medical advice, we do need to dive deeper into what's happening from nutrition and training and all of those lifestyle factors that will impact this holistic nature that our body is built in. Yeah, that would be brilliant to actually get a hormone panel as part yeah. of your regular blood work. That would be yeah. amazing. That would be a great start for sure. Hmm. How does stress and mindset come into play with our personal health? 
Yeah, so for us, I think it's what we do is we break it down into three areas of stress. So for, for most of us as busy professionals, as business owners, as people that are just working through life with all this stuff going on, uh, most people are aware that they're busy, there's a level of stress that they need to, to be aware of, uh, and that it's probably being detrimental to their health. If they don't know that, it's definitely somewhere to start understanding how much of a significant impact it has on your ability to digest food, uh, sleep, all the rest. But just to identify and break that down a little bit more, we tend to put it into three buckets, and that might just allow you to identify where is one area for you to focus a little bit more on. So first one would be the uh, psychological component, right? What are we looking at from mental stress? Is it there's, there's an argument going on at home in the family? Is, is it work stress and project deadlines? Is it our own internal stories and, and general headspace that we need to address to make sure that we're improving our overall health? Because our body keeps the score. Everything that comes through mentally is still going to be impacting our body very as, as much as physical stress, right? It's going to be the same response. We're still getting a, a huge increase in cortisol. We're then going to be moving into that fight or flight response and overall shifting a whole lot of biological functions in our body and how things work. Now, if that's for a short, stressful moment of 30 minutes, then that's not necessarily detrimental to our health overall. But if that starts to become, and what is becoming in today's society, a 10-hour stressful day, rather than just a short spurt of it, that's ultimately where it's becoming massively detrimental to the rest of our body. The second one there would be that physical component, as we talked about before, taking the time to look at that sweet spot of training. Are we moving more towards uh, training that complements our body and our, our stage of life to make sure that it is giving us that stimulus, giving us that quality of response that we're after to make sure we can continue to progress and, and keep our body looking and feeling great without burning things out or simply not training enough? That's going to be a huge stressor to the body. But I think thirdly, the really, really interesting one that we're uh, overlooking a lot of time is looking at that digestive component of the stress. So identifying foods that are causing you to feel inflamed, inflamed in the form of bloated, tired, gassy, brain fog, whatever that might be, and which is becoming more and more common as we start to see 40 or 60% of our diet being these highly processed foods, refined sugars, these vegetable oils, whatever else that's coming in that's really clogging up our system, that really starts to get in the way. Amazing. Speaking about brain fog, I recently had a blood panel done. And when I was talking to my functional medicine doctor, she said, are you experiencing any kind of brain fog? And I said, well, that's an interesting question. Why do you yeah. ask? And she said, because we did a, a blood test and yours came up very low compared to what it is. Mm. And I said, I thought it was maybe just age. I kept telling my husband, I'm forgetting things or I forget how to spell words or things yeah. I know. And she said, no, no, you're actually scoring very low. So there's a supplement that we can get to help you overcome that. I'd never heard of that before. Do you know, can you talk to a little bit about that? Yeah, it's fantastic because we're starting to ask bigger questions, right? It's not a case of is it disease or are you good? It's a case of there's a big spectrum between those things. And starting to ultimately find uh, what I'm going to assume is some nutrient deficiency levels that we can start to build back up. We're starting to have a bigger conversation of health and, and what's really ultimately missing in a lot of today's modern diets. Or simply if we're stressed, we're busy, we're going to be burning through nutrients at a, at a higher rate. So looking at how we can start to create more personal uh, nutrition plans, blood panels, uh, and just lifestyle advice around actual real-world stuff, we start to really identify things that are not disease level, but they're certainly impacting day-to-day -day quality of life, right? And now we're having a, a much more holistic conversation of how to, how to make sure that us being proactive with our health becomes a conversation of, if I'm going to pay for a supplement, I might as well make sure it's worth it or it's something I require 
because I think an issue at the moment is we're all leaning towards multivitamin. If we don't know what to have, and we're sort of getting too much of the nutrients we don't need and not enough of the ones we do. And we start to go deeper into panels that give us the exact data of what is low and how do we build us to, to absolute best. And then ultimately we can, we can start to spend our money in the right places. But the second part of that conversation, which is simply that mindset around an acceptance of just seeing that body decline as we old, I think happens far too early. And taking the time to look at this process of, you know, your body's not broken. There's just something not working with you. And we start to look a bit deeper into what's happening and blood work can be a fantastic place to start. That just allows us to empower us with that process of knowing uh, what's really going on. And now, more importantly, what are the steps we can actually take in the right direction? This is all so interesting. I mean, I could spend hours talking to you about all these nuances. What else should we know that could help us be healthier just overall or in general? Yeah, I think something that's really relevant at this time of um, our lives or, or what we're going through now is just understanding what's happening with this decrease in uh, disease over time is 100% a good thing, right? With antibiotics, how, cleaning practices around surgery, it's definitely saving lives and it's definitely decreasing a lot of these lethal uh, diseases over time. But one of the significant issues that are coming from that, because we're looking through this with a very narrow lens, is we're seeing a massive increase and purely an, an inverse relationship with the increase in autoimmune conditions over that same time period. Uh, there's a, a, a reference to a study I use all the time from uh, 1950s up to 2000, uh, which shows a very, very clear inverse relationship of these, these components. And as we start to obsess about being overly clean and getting rid of all bacteria and hand, uh, using more hand sanitizers to make everything perfectly clean, we start to really have this germ phobia that's impacting our ability to function and, and fight disease naturally, uh, fight day-to-day -day bugs and, and viruses coming through on a day-to-day -day basis that we're not looking at the bigger picture, right? So trying to make sure that we're working with our body, we're starting to understand the immense strength and diversity of what our gut provides and how we can live every day. So if you're noticing that foods are uh, more inflammatory than usual, if you're noticing that you're just not feeling like you used to. Taking the time to dive in and identify those root causes, do that blood work panel, dive deeper into your gut health and understand how you can build that body back up and start to work with your body. Start to work with building up those gut buddies. That good bacteria in your gut can be a big component of increasing your overall well-being, energy, motivation through the day, but also diving deeper into fighting a lot of these underlying autoimmune components or inflammatory issues that are becoming more chronic than they should be because we're obsessing with this overly clean environment. So it just becomes a bigger part of how much control we have over our health and how we can really strengthen our immune system and overall body function um, through looking at this bigger picture. So if I were to say, hey, I want to go get a really complete blood panel, what kind of physician or person would be the best kind of person that would help me really do a deep dive into finding that out? Yeah, I think where you're at in regards to the functional medicine practitioner could be a fantastic place. You know, there's there's a lot of dietitians and nutritionists that I think there's a huge range in regards to uh, the quality of what they're going to bring through. But I find that using that blood work as a nice asset alongside a bigger conversation of nutrition and training is really where that's at. And I think that's something that with our company, we've tried to build as much as we can trying to make sure that a lot of what we're talking about is an incredibly expansive conversation. As you said, we could talk about this for hours. And I don't personally feel that that can really come from one person. So looking at 
dialing in from a mindset component is going to be very different to talking about training, nutrition, sleep, diving deeper into these components of gut health or blood work. So I think having a team that's actually working together is, is probably a smarter move for there because there's some incredible people out there in nutrition. There's amazing people there out there in training. But if you're not aligning how you're exercising with how you're eating and ultimately how that's impacting your biology from a blood work level or deeper, we're not really looking at this in a holistic or integrated way. So although those, those functional health practitioners is going to be a fantastic first spot to at least have this conversation around, around what's really going on, uh, I think making sure that whoever you're using there is integrating in all of those components of health so you're looking at the big bigger picture of uh, how they inter, interline with each other uh, is, is a smarter move. Yeah, that's amazing. This is also very interesting to me. Any other last minute thoughts you'd like to share? Yeah, well, uh, you know, we've covered so many little bits today, and I think it, it is, you know, surface level stuff in regards to all of the stuff we need to take into account. So if, if you do want to go deeper into this, if this is something that um, you're noticing that your body is is going through some changes, you're seeing your sleep's not quite as deep or it's a little bit more broken, you're noticing your energy or mental sharpness through the day is, is there, and you just want to sort of take control of your health, health a little bit more, we have put together a full five-day challenge or mini-series, if you like, to go through this process. Uh, it is something that we keep separate, male or female, as for the obvious adjustments on hormones that we are looking at today. Uh, and if it is a resource that you find useful, uh, you can just go to our website at metaproject.co and go through that process. Choose the male or female mini-series mini to walk you through that for free over the next five days uh, and simply integrate steps there. Uh, we take a lot of resources, a lot of work, workbooks from our main program uh, into that to really give you some tools to integrate small steps in the right direction and just really get it, right? Understand how that works for you. I think a lot of the stuff on podcasts sounds really good, but ultimately the big part and the only way it's going to be uh, is helpful and valuable is if it actually applies to where you are right now. So we've built that out in a way that actually allows you to, to walk through how that's actually going to integrate in everyday life and identify some initial steps that you can take for your own health and really take control of your own body. Sounds amazing. So to take advantage of the five-day challenge, you're going to want to go to themetaproject.co. That's themetaproject, P-R-O-J-E-C-T, dot C-O. Join me on the five-day challenge. I think it'll be super fun. Thanks again for your time. You're amazing. I love the work you're doing and all the content that you shared, and I'm sure people will get huge value from that. Thanks, Anne. So good to be on. Thank you. Well, my hope for our time together with Ollie is that you got value and an idea or two or even three that will help you be even more successful personally and professionally. Feel free to share my podcast with others as they can be found on most podcast platforms and in most English speaking countries. And if you'd like to get a short daily fix from me, subscribe to the Accountability Minute, which can also be found on most podcast platforms and in most English speaking countries. And remember to subscribe to my business success tips and resources blog by going to accountabilitycoach.com forward slash blog. And always aim for what you want each and every day. Until next time, make it a great day today and every day. I appreciate you listening.